Hello, 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 and welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and I am so glad to be back with you. I pray that you are well. You know, I, as I am recording this, we just had daylight savings for spring, so we sprang forward last night, meaning we lost an hour, technically, on the calendar, or on the clock, I should say, and um, we're preparing for a new season very soon. So not only should we be preparing for that new season in the natural realm and in you know, the seasons of life in nature, but I believe we can always be in preparation for new seasons in our personal lives, new seasons in what God wants to do in and through us and for us. So I'm really excited to be back with you um, after a little hiatus to take us forward in some exciting things that the Lord has given me and laid on my heart that I believe will be refreshing, that I believe will be encouraging, and that I believe will help us to um, just make sure we're always maintaining God's perspective of who we are, and that will propel us into the great things that he has for us. Because unless our identity is, is rooted and solid, then we are susceptible to everything the world has to say. And that's not how God designed us to live as his children created in his image and in his likeness. So we are now on episode 52 of the podcast. And I am excited because I'm going to be kicking this off with a new series. And the series is going to be dealing with women. You know, we're in the middle of March. We're in the middle of Women's History Month. We just celebrated International Women's Day on last week, and I think it's apropos that we take the time, just like we've done year over year, and even as we do in February um, with Black History, I'm a Black woman, so both of these are meaningful for me to focus on the contributions that women have made and continue to make in the world to society, our leadership, our bravery, our um, sacrifice, just all the things that we contribute to make the world what it is and to make it a better place, actually. So it's always meaningful for me um, to learn more about great women, women that are doing significant things in their families, in their communities, in their careers, on the world stage, in their local, um, you know, hometowns, whatever that may look like. And I believe there's no better place to start with this series than looking at women of the word. And in fact, that's what the series is going to focus on. We're going to be looking at women of the word, but through the lens of defying labels. So we're going to get into some things because when it comes to labels, um, <laughs> there's no shortage of them that, that's, you know, thrown around. It seems that, you know, we actually have labels or tags you know, hashtags are big now. We have labels for everything. And while some can be benign and innocent, perhaps, you know, maybe even desirable, you know, you have a designer label on your clothing or your, you know, your, you have a luxury brand or a label of status and achievement, you know, more than not, labels can also be insulting and they can even threaten to limit the realm of possibilities for those that have been given those labels. And so that's why I call this defying labels, because I believe God wants us to, A, recognize how labels can be applied negatively, how they can impact a person until they are defied, until they are overcome by something greater and something better. 
And then I think it'll also stir in us personally a consciousness not to be quick to label others, ourselves, not to accept the labels that the world, that maybe family members, that maybe people we've known in the past who haven't been present for all of our growth and all of our you know, evolution on our journeys to being who God has called us to be, that we actually learn how to defy those labels and we learn how to embrace who we really are in the Lord. And so God has given me a host of phenomenal women. And I tell you, as we look at their lives, as we look at where they were versus where God took them, and we look at, you know, the labels that were ascribed to them and how God turned those labels on their heads, you are going to be so encouraged for your very own life and the life of the women, the lives of the women and men, because this applies to men too, but we are going to focus on women from the Bible for this particular series. Um, how you can just apply this in the lives of the people that God brings across your path to make sure that you're uplifting them and you're reinforcing the image of God in their lives versus what the enemy would like to perpetuate about their lives, which is typically less you know, than great characteristics. Um, he's never going to be our cheerleader. In fact, the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. So he is the exact opposite. He's always trying to find a way to make us look bad before God. He's always trying to get in God's face and say, yeah, you you see her, you see her, you see what she did, you see what she said, you see how she acted. And God says, get out of here, devil. Because why? The blood of Jesus has cleansed us and made us whole without fault, without blemish, without shame, without reproach. Glory be to God. So we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can enter into the presence of our God, of our father, boldly knowing that we are accepted, knowing that we are loved, knowing that our failures and our faults don't disqualify us because God has made provision through his grace and mercy by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope you're excited because I am and I know God has some great things for us in this series. So we're going to get going with the time we have remaining with the first woman that God kind of highlighted this to me um, years ago. I actually was just doing, I guess, some studying and God kind of called out um, the fact that, you know, labels get thrown around a lot. And he, he kind of gave me the phrase, don't label me. And so in looking at the life of one of the women that are that will be a part of this series and study, Elizabeth from the New Testament, um, if you want to go ahead and go in your Bibles, if you have your Bible handy and you want to grab it, we're going to go to Luke chapter one. But in looking at the life of Elizabeth, this is where the Lord first highlighted this to me years ago. I did some teaching on it. I wrote a blog post about it. You can find it on my blog on dawnrichards.org. You can just look in the search terms or type in label. And it will come up. But we're going to talk a bit about that today because this is where it first really, you know, came to my my mind in a conscious way about how labels can be used and then how God can come in and defy those labels. So ultimately, it doesn't really matter what they, whoever they may be, have, have to say about you. It only matters what you and God have to say about you. And that's what I love about God. He says the power of life and death is in my tongue, meaning it's what I say about me that ultimately matters. It doesn't matter what somebody in a corner that's mad, that's evil, wants to try to say over your life or speak over your life. It has no power because the power of life and death is in your tongue, 
for your life. You are the prophet of your life. I am the prophet of my life. And so only if we get an agreement with what the enemy says, can it work? It's when we defy it. It's when we denounce it. It's when we rebuke it. It's when we resist it and instead embrace and get in flow in an agreement with what God has said that we can live the life that God intended for us. So our destiny, God set this thing up, which is so wonderful that nobody else can control our destiny but us. So that hater that wishes that you would just fall off the face of the earth, too bad. (laughs) They have no power. Has the power and you have the power when you agree with what God has already said about you and you get in step with his will. The Bible says in Amos 3 and 3, it asks the question, how can two be, you know, um, walk together? Excuse me. How can two walk together except they be agreed? So we have to agree with God as we're walking with him, as we're desiring to see his will come to pass in our lives, as we're desiring to see him be able to overturn some of the things maybe that we've sown and planted in the past that now we know better. So we're ready to do better. We want better. And God says, that's fine. I'm here with you in the present. I'm the great I am. And I'm ready to make things right now. So you don't have to feel as though you've lost out or that, you know, the things that defined you in the past have to define you forever. No, we're going to defy some labels We're going to defy what the enemy has tried to get to stick. And we're going to overturn that and make sure what God has said about us is what ultimately sticks. Glory be to God. So if you're in Luke chapter one, I'm reading right now from the New Living Translation, but you can follow along. And let's look at verse 36. So we'll start in Luke 1, 36. And let's read verses 36 and 37 for now. And so here it says, what's more? And let me set the stage Um, as we jump in here. We're kind of jumping in mid text where an angel has just appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and told her that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, that she's going to give birth to a baby. Now, mind you, Mary is a virgin. She is engaged. She's betrothed to Joseph, but they haven't gotten married yet. And she's not had sex yet. She's a virgin. So this angel is bringing this news on her and she's trying to take it all in. And some historical accounts say Mary could have been anywhere from the age of 14, you know, up into, you know, maybe her late teens, early 20s. But she was a very young girl. So I want you to keep all of this in in mind. It would be it would be something for anybody to get this kind of news. But Mary is still very young and she's lived holy. She's lived purely. She has not had sex. And so the angel is telling her all these things. And so she starts saying, well, how is this going to be? Seeing I know not a man, seeing I haven't been with a man. I haven't had sex with a man. Basically is what she's saying. And the angel explains to her that the Holy Spirit is going to make it happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and create this holy thing in her. Who is Jesus? And he gives her all the instructions. He tells her what to name him. I mean, God is details, detail oriented. When I tell you God cares about the details of our lives, he cares about the very details. He told her what to name the baby when the baby came and he handled all the details because, you know, after this happened, 
and the baby was actually conceived in her by God, by the Holy Spirit. You know, that threw some questions around where Joseph was concerned. Because Joseph is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you're telling me you're pregnant. Okay. And you haven't had sex. Let me digest that for a moment. But God, in all of his infinite greatness, he worked it all out. He went to Joseph. He got Joseph on the same page. He came to Joseph in a dream and let Joseph know that all was well. That there was no there were no shenanigans in, in, in the mix and that he should be there for Mary and they will still be married. But in doing all of this, the angel goes on to kind of, you know, encourage her and tells her, oh, by the way, verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth, that was her cousin, has become pregnant in her old age. So essentially, he's saying, yes, you're about to experience a miracle. But let me tell you about this other miracle that's already taken place. Your cousin Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she was barren. Let's stop. That's the label. So see, everything about Elizabeth had been reduced to this one thing. She was barren. People used to say she was barren. So whenever they saw Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, they would refer to her as the woman who's barren, the woman who was never able to have children. And now she's older. She's up in age. She's beyond the natural age of child conception and bearing and all of that. And we saw many miracles throughout. We've seen many miracles throughout scripture from Sarah and Abraham. And here's another couple who, for whatever reason, had not been able to conceive until now. And so the angel says, yeah, you're about to have a baby born of the Holy Ghost and your cousin Elizabeth. You know, people used to say she was barren. That was the label. But, and what have I told you in past teachings about that word, but? When you use but, it zeroes out everything that just came before it. So people used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Now, isn't that the epitome of defying a label? Didn't God shut the mouths of all of those people who had so much to say about Elizabeth and had reduced her to one thing? Because really, before this, the Bible doesn't mention Elizabeth and there's no other descriptor given about her life and her journey in all she is in her fullness as a woman. Except that she was barren. And it's big today in a lot of instances and in a lot, a lot of ways. We still have some ways to go, I think, and and how we describe women and women who are mothers, women who aren't mothers, but it was everything in those days because it represented your lineage. It represented your posterity. It represented your wealth and your status. And if you didn't have children, it was a severe reproach. So God is just, you know, he's just passing the blessings and the miracles around and he gives this news to Mary but what I want us to get is that in 
you know, that instant when she conceived, God turned that label on its head. It was defied. And now the people that used to say she was barren and she was old because they also called her old. Now, the actual reality was she's pregnant. She's fruitful. You know, in Genesis 1, God made it clear that his intent for man kind was to be fruitful and to multiply, to reproduce, to replenish the earth. So let's scrap those labels and let's see what God gave her instead. The old labels were, or the, the label was that she was barren and she was old. The truth of the matter is she's pregnant. She's fruitful. She's the mother at this point to be, and ultimately the mother of a great prophet who was who? John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus Christ. She herself was a prophetess because when Mary came to visit her, but so as soon as Mary got this news, Mary was like, wait a minute, wait, I gotta go talk to somebody. You know how it is you get some good news? And you're just like, wait, I've got to share this with someone. I've got to talk to somebody. Elizabeth, yes, I'll go to my cousin Elizabeth. She'll relate, she'll understand. And so she goes to Elizabeth and as soon, and this is so beautiful, as soon as she arrives and Elizabeth greets her, or Mary greets Elizabeth rather, the baby inside Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaps in her womb. And Elizabeth becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. And she begins to praise God and encourage Mary and just speak life to her. So that in that moment is such a beautiful depiction of these two women coming together in divine purpose. You got Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist who prepared the way for the Lord. He prepared the way of the Lord. He cried, repent in the wilderness and stirred people's hearts and minds again towards God and towards a relationship with God. Because there had been a kind of a, a dearth, a desert, if you will, with the word of the Lord, with people really seeking the Lord. And so God was using John the Baptist to begin to stir a lot of this back up in the hearts and minds of people so that when the Messiah was released into his full-time ministry, they would be ready to receive him. And so she's a prophetess. And she's even a nurturer because Mary ends up staying with her for three months. And so during that time, not only is she preparing to deliver her own baby because she was already six months pregnant when Mary got there. And so by the time Mary leaves, her baby is being born. And so she not only was preparing for her own baby, but she took the time to nurture Mary in her first trimester. You know, that's always a critical period for a woman when she's pregnant, that first trimester. And so. God had her stay with Mary, excuse me, stay with, had Mary stay with Elizabeth and Zachariah, Elizabeth's husband. And Elizabeth just took care of her and made sure she was good. And then when Elizabeth was, you know, it was time for her to have her baby and to focus on her baby, then Mary, you know, went back home. So we see that Elizabeth was much more than the labels 
that had been ascribed to her. She was much more than an old woman who never had children, because that's essentially what it had boiled down to be when people looked at her, when people talked about her, because the Bible says people used to say so people were talking. And see, that's the thing we have to realize. People are always going to be talking. People are always going to have something to say about you and about me, whether it's truthful or not, whether it represents who we are at this point in our lives, whether it's, you know, good, bad or indifferent. They're going to always have something to say. So we can't let that bother us. We can't let that distract us from who God has said we are and pressing into who God has said we are. Because God doesn't care what they say. He's not moved by what they say. They are not going to change God's opinion about you. See, mama may turn their back, her back. Daddy may turn his back. You know, friends may turn their back. Your prayer partner may turn his back or her back. The job may turn its back. Everybody and their mama can turn their back. But God is a keeper. He'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. And he won't take their word about you over what he said about you. Because he knows that with him, nothing is impossible. And see, I love how the angel brought that back to front and center. He had just been ministering to Mary when he was telling her about what was about to happen with her giving birth to Jesus or conceiving and giving birth to Jesus. But he went on in the testimony about Elizabeth to crown it with the phrase, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. In other words, he was saying, God did this. God did that with your cousin Elizabeth. And that same God is going to do that with you. That's why we should embrace the greatness of who we are. Because the greatness that God is doing and wants to do in our lives will minister to someone else. And it will encourage them and it will inspire them to lay hold of the greatness that God has for them. So it's not only about you. Yes, you are the immediate beneficiary, but then you become the benefactor, meaning you pass the blessing and the goodness on to others. When they see us as women of God standing in the truth of who we are, defying the labels of, oh, she's just a black woman or, oh, she's old or oh she never had children or oh she never got married she's a spinster I hate that word all those things that people want to do especially when it comes to women and labeling women we're gonna I'm telling you we're gonna get into it in the bible there's some women in the bible they didn't even mention their name they had been reduced to the issue and the problem that was prominent in their lives at the moment So much so that people didn't even call them by their given name. It was just like, oh, she's the woman who was caught in adultery. That's one that we're going to look at and how God defied that label. Or here's another. She's the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, these women had names. Just like I have a name and you have a name, they had names. But the labels had become the defining identifier. So much so that people didn't even bother to state their actual names. 
talk about dehumanizing. But God said, no, no, no. These are my daughters. I recognize them. I acknowledge them. And I am going to defy those labels. And he did. In every woman's life, starting with today, Elizabeth, that we were going to look into and examine in the word of God, we're going to see God defy those labels. Why? Because God loves women. Jesus loves women. Women were not an afterthought. When God created Adam in the beginning of Genesis 2, when he came forth from the dust of the ground and God breathed life into his nostrils, he fully contained male and female. He was fully male and female at that time. And so God gets him going in his purpose and he's naming all the species of being. He's naming the animal kingdom. I mean, he's got this divine download from heaven and God has given him wisdom to name all the animal species, all the living species. And God says, and even Adam realized, yeah, I see the rhinoceros. <laughs> I, I see the fish. <laughs> I, I see the chicken. I see the cow. But honey, none of these are meat for me. In other words, I can't get down with these. I need somebody that's on my level. I need my appropriate counterpart who is meat, suitable, fitting for me. That's what help meat means. Help meat does not mean your slave or your servant, if you're a man listening, that you give orders to because they're your help meat. No, that means they are suitable, appropriate. Fitting, they fit you like a glove, like a hand in a glove. They slide into place. And that is your purpose partner in life. Glory be to God. Who is worthy of all the respect that you want for yourself? It's mutual. So Adam at this time had all of male and all of female, Adam, Ish. He had Ish and Isha in him. Male and female. As God had already said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And so when they both agree that, hey, none of these species is going to do the trick for you, Adam. Let's get to it. God had already pronounced male and female in Genesis 1. So he puts Adam to sleep. And he brings forth the woman he takes from his side. And presents him with the woman. What is a woman? The woman was the man with the womb. He took the womb out of Adam. And he put it in the woman. And now together they represent the fullness of God. Because God is fully male and female. And so Adam represents the maleness of God. And Eve or woman, the woman, she was named Eve after the fall represented the femaleness of God. And together, man and woman represent the fullness of God. That's why, do you understand now why the enemy attacks men and women, not only in romantic familial relationships as husband and wife and otherwise, but even just in everyday life, there is sexism, there is hatred against women. There is feminism and male bashing. You know, there are all these things that pit us against one another. That's from the pit of hell because Satan knows that when we come together, 
We represent the fullness of God. And that's the last thing he wants. So he'd rather see a woman be with a woman, a man be with a man, a man be with a cow, a dog, a, you know, a pig. And, and you have people out here doing disgusting things because they're deranged in their minds and they've abandoned God's formula for love and relationship. And the enemy loves it. But the end thereof is what the Bible says death. It says there is a way that seems right. It seems that if you have certain feelings and emotions that you should act out on them. But the Bible says the end thereof is death. So we have to put those feelings and emotions in submission to what God has revealed as truth. And he gave it to us from the very beginning. So woman was never an afterthought. We were a necessary thought. It was necessary for woman to be right beside man to represent the fullness of God in the earth. So don't ever let anybody make you feel insignificant. If you are a woman, no, you are God's crown jewel. Your price is far above rubies. Glory to God. God says you're worthy. God says he's he's with you. He's committed to you. Just like he was committed to all these women throughout the scripture that we're going to see. Just like he defied every single label that the world had put on them. Because, see, this is the thing about the world. You got to remember, they're fickle. They're whimsical. One day they'll crown you as the best thing going. And the next day they'll crucify you and say they want to cancel you. So that's why you can't get your identity and your security and your validation from out there. You need to get that from within with the God who lives and abides in you. Because he said, you're worthy, you're more than enough, you're all that, you're beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully made, and he loves you. So I pray that you have been encouraged today. I pray that you are already thinking about and possibly identifying some labels that have been either spoken over you or placed on you, or that maybe you ascribe to yourself. And just ask the Holy Spirit to start to show you. Those things that need to be removed off of your life. Because remember, with God, nothing is impossible. And I thank you as always for listening. I ask that you're generous and liberal with the podcast. If it's blessed you, like, subscribe, follow, leave me a comment on how it's ministered to you, and then share it with your friends, with your family, with women that you know that could use a blessing from the Lord. And being stirred up and encouraged in who they are and their divine greatness in God. And so until we're together next time, I pray that you are blessed, that you live the good life, the abundant life that Jesus came to give, according to John 10, 10, that you live intentionally and remember that you are loved by God. God bless you.